Hello there and welcome to another episode of Thought Architecture. So the goal of this podcast is really to get people to think more broadly, get away from these ideas of binary thinking and one thing has one effect and one consequence rather than ripples or spider webs. A good way to think about it is whatever you do, think about it as one stone dropped into a lake will send out ripples which will affect every single atom within that lake. Uh, the bigger the stone, the more the effect. <clears throat> and so the point is thinking in systems, great way to go through things. So today what I wanted to talk about the purpose of this particular episode is going to be the ghosts that haunt us so a lot of people they use mental models and things like that as a way to determine um, you know various ways to to make decisions to make the best decisions out there they turn to mental models they turn to all kinds of like biases and things like that and the one that I wanted to speak about was more this idea that uh, the psychologist Dan Ariely actually introduces, which is this idea of making decisions to benefit your future self. And the typical experiment that they did was this idea of if you can get a box of chocolates a week from now or a half a box of chocolates right now, which one would you choose? And most people would choose the half box of chocolates right now, this short-term decision-making, short-term satisfaction versus, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, a week from now, you get that full box of chocolates. And the interesting thing is they, they repeat that exact same time frame, but they just add a year to both of them. So one year from now or a, a year and one week from now. And of course, most people would answer, well, just take the extra week. What does it matter if it's a year? And through this, they inferred that there are two kind of time frames that you make decisions for. Something to benefit your future self and a decision to benefit your present self. And the present self always wins in the decision-making process, no matter what you do. And so the, the, the very simple point is that there are various motivations behind decision-making that we need to take into consideration. So what, what really made me think about this as well is this idea of the ghosts that will haunt you. <clears throat> so I want you to imagine that you're lying on your deathbed and whatever decision you made or didn't make when you were younger is a decision that you will come to think uh, of as a regret. Now, most people say, well, I live my life like this and I don't regret anything. And that's fine. But we sometimes we regret not necessarily that we made a choice, but maybe that we delayed making that choice for like a year. So it's not necessarily the idea that um, we're looking at what will you regret the most. It's more the idea of when you're dying and you're, and you're going to die, and you're looking at the, uh, you know, the abyss. What is the thing that you're going to be happy that you made a decision about? And what is the thing that you made a decision against and that you're happy with? So instead of weighing up decisions based on their merits, their pros, their cons, their advantages, their disadvantages, because a lot of the time we're a little bit blurry, we can make decisions based out of our values. What would we be proud of? When we're dying, what would, we, what would be a decision that we're proud of making? And likewise, what would be a decision that we're, uh, you know, like obviously ashamed, but still talking about it um, when we're on our deathbed? And so always thinking in that mental framework allows you to do things like, well, you know, would I rather take a short-term decision now to watch television or build something? And of course, the one that you would regret the most, the ghost that will haunt you. 
oof, you know, shouldn't have, uh, should have got off my ass and did a little bit more because when I died, I would have been prouder of myself, so to speak. And so the very simple idea is that the ghost of this decision isn't necessarily just regrets, but it's more like dedication to what you want to do with your life and not do with your life. And this is the first part of systems thinking, is recognizing what you want and what you don't want, what is a part and what isn't a part. Um, and in that way, we can determine, okay, cool, well, do you want to dedicate your life to watching Netflix? No, but <clears throat> actually a lot of the time we find ourselves just mindlessly watching Netflix. And of course, then highlighting that by getting to the point of, if you just carried on doing the habits that you're currently doing right now, would that be something that would haunt you if you if you were on your deathbed 20 years from now? So this type of thing needs a feedback loop as well. What is, what isn't, taking action, things like that, requiring a bit of a feedback loop. And of course, we come back to the parable of the boiling frog, which I'm sure all of you have heard of, which is the idea that you've got a frog and when you put it in boiling water, it'll hop out. But if you put it in normal water and you slowly heat the water, it'll get to a point where it, uh, it actually can't hop out anymore because it's been boiled. And, ooh, got a message. And so the, the very simple point is that the parable of the boiling frog is that when there is small progressive changes in the environment, we're actually blind to them. And, you know, until it's too late. And so this is very similar, similarly talking about I don't know, changes in government, changes in yourself, your habits as well. A lot of the time we convince ourselves. But being sensitive to changes in the environment can actually help us a lot. And so the parable of the boiling frog is more this idea of teaching yourself to be sensitive to the environment so that you can start to make changes. So if it starts heating up and you can say to yourself, well, I've started doing a lot more of this one action. Let me nip it in the bud now. Let me benefit my future self, you know. Let me make sure that this ghost doesn't come back to haunt me later, no matter what it is. And a lot of the time, it's not necessarily like a consequence of an action, but usually it's our own conscience, our morals kind of like fighting with us. As much as I don't agree with the idea of morality or a conscience, it's more this idea of like, when you're a kind human, you can die peacefully at rest. Um, and if you've been you know, a bit of a bastard to everyone, like it's difficult to find peace with that. And so this is a very selfish way to think about it. And in the same way, it benefits a lot of people. And so we've got that, that, that system of interaction of, you know, to be selfish. The true essence of being selfish is to be selfless. And the final part is this idea of your entire human mechanism is wired to get that short-term satisfaction. And the very simple point is don't trust it. Don't trust your lust for something. Oh, I really want a PS6. Great, cool. And that feeling that you have is incredibly strong. And people who go along with emotional reason, reasoning will say, well, clearly, because I feel so strongly about it, it must be true. Like, I must, I must really want this thing. But if you look at the entirety of the, the system, the human being system, um, it'll do that about everything. And taking that into account, it's not necessarily the strength of your feelings about the PlayStation or whatever it is. Um, let's say you, you meet someone in a bar and you're like, oh my gosh, this person's amazing. That initial 
first response that you have to anything is always going to hyper accentuate the positives, downplay the negatives, always. That's the way that your human mechanism works. So by having knowledge of the context that you're in, in this case, the human body that you're in, you're better able to then weigh up your decision-making faculties and say, all right, cool, well, this person is amazing, but right now I'm probably going through a lust phase, a honeymoon phase. Let me, let me just chill out and let me space out my decisions. And literally just putting a little bit of time, a little bit of distance between you and that state in making decisions can really, really benefit you. So that short-term satisfaction, we'll just enjoy the short-term and go through the short-term stuff and enjoy it for what it is. Don't try and wish it away and, and get past that honeymoon phase. No, enjoy the honeymoon phase, but know it's coming to a close. And, you know, be prepared for the next phase as well. And so really it's, it's uh, the idea of systems thinking is about bringing in um, knowing knowledge of your context, which is important. And to know your context, you have to know what are the mechanisms that govern your context right now whether that be the human body that you're in, whether it be the government that you're in and you want to um, understand how certain decisions have been made or something like that. Understanding the mechanics better and better allows you to understand contexts and understanding contexts allows you to make better decisions as well. And of course, then understanding that the human machine will always make short-term decisions quite naturally. That short-term, that first-order effect, if we want to call it like that, or a short-term thinking is very much what we're orientated towards. So just a little bit of knowledge about, oh, okay, well, my body's going to typically lean towards those things. Well, let me just outweigh them, or let me just uh, give it a bit of space to allow it to do what it needs to do and then move away from it. Nice, a nice thing to do is to think about what kind of foods you want to eat. And so most people think about the idea of, um, you know, giving up can you imagine giving up fast foods like mcdonald's or something like that you know any kind of takeaway food is usually got a ton of sugar a ton of salt added into it so that it tricks your brain into flavor sensations that type of thing is an incredibly short-term satisfaction loop that creates a, a form of addiction basically and it will take a while for you to detox from that couple of days of not eating it or a couple of weeks let's say um, before your body starts appreciating other foods and your body adapts and so knowing that adaptability is important before you lose hope in the process you know can you imagine getting three days in and being so desperate for you know i don't know a bite of a big mac because you don't see an end to that type of suffering you don't see an end to that type of suck and so the very simple point is that the more you do these types of actions that take you beyond the short-term satisfaction, the more it actually uh, creates strength of emotional and mental musculature. So I'm not saying that you need to go through suffering in order to strengthen up and harden up, but it's the idea of um, recognizing short-term versus long-term thinking and being able to actually put yourself where you can uh, progressively overload your ability to move through short-term satisfactions. There's a part of the central executive network, which is the, the more evolved part of the human brain. It's in the neocortex or the frontal lobe. And the idea is that um, it's literally to switch off our impulses. So it's an impulse control muscle. And just flexing that every now and again, no matter what you're doing, even if it's something that's healthy, just turning that off, um, turning off that need 
with this impulse control um, muscle. It means that when you need it, it's going to come into play. And so the, the idea of like doing something and recognizing that you're a frog in boiling water, that you need to make a decision to get away from a particular activity that you're doing so that when you're dying, you won't be haunted by these particular decisions. All of this comes down to your ability to control yourself. And the skills that are within that are things that can be trained. The musculature that's behind that, it's quite easy. It's about self-regulation. So making these decisions can be something that's like inspiring to you. Well, I'd like to create a business or something like that. So let me rather do that instead of watching Netflix because I enjoy it more. Absolutely. But most of the time it, it comes down to your skills and what skills can you transfer over. And the skills are usually how much control of yourself do you have. And again, these things are progressive, progressively overloading them. So first things first, it's all about awareness. What skills do you have and what skills don't you have? And then understanding how these skills interact with your body, with your mind, with your emotions. So get to learn the system so that you can recognize if you're doing well or not. This is a big point with feeling like a failure is usually because you don't understand the mechanism and you see a negative result. Contextualize the results, make adjustments, get better results, or just get more feedback, which allows you to make the right adjustments as well. And so that's it. That's, uh, that's all that I wanted to go through today was the idea of the ghosts of what are going to haunt you later. Um, <clears throat> really, this came up because a lot of people discuss this idea of, you know, oh, I need to make a decision. Well, let me weigh up the pros and the cons and, you know, uh, let me make up a, a decision making matrix about the importance and the priorities and this and that. I was listening to my friend's podcast and he said that, uh, you know, he went through this whole checklist of everything that he was meant to do when he was younger, like go to school, go to college, get a job, get money, buy a house, have a family. And now that he's, uh, you know, late 30s, early 40s, that whole thing is finished. What does he do now? And uh, where does he go from here? And that type of thing. And really the idea of doing what you want comes back to, again, what's going to haunt you? What's going to haunt you when you're older, when, when the importance of things are weighed up against the entirety of your life? You know, you'll never look back and say, oh, I shouldn't have learned that language. That was a terrible idea. But in the moment, if you're deciding to learn a language, you might be like, well, I don't have the time nor the money right now. I don't know. I don't have the energy to spend. I should be spending more, more energy and time on my job because it really needs me. Those types of things, you know, nobody says, you know, that old phrase. Um, oh, I wish I'd worked more in my life. But doing things that fulfill you, that might not have a purpose, it's the idea of getting to, to the deathbed and those decisions not haunting you. So my question for you is, um, you know, what decisions haunt you that you made? Or what decisions have you made that have prevented a ghost from being born and coming into your life and haunting you for the rest of time? And of course, remember something very important. Your brain is not fully developed before the age of 25. So studies show that people under the age of 25, teenagers are incredibly reckless. They'll expose themselves to very, um, very much a lot of dangerous risk-taking behaviors. And a lot of that is because, number one, they don't have the part of the brain that actually is able to weigh up consequences. Okay, And number two, they don't have the part of the brain that can actually help them self-regulate. So teenagers 
are always going to do this type of thing. And adolescence, and I should say until the age of 25, because that's the age in which this final stage of the brain develops, which gives you so much more control over yourself, able to see consequences better, think better, etc. And so, in saying all of that, forgive yourself for anything that happened before you were 25, because you did not have the full faculties that you have today. So if you spoke to your parents uh, really disrespectfully or poorly, it's not an excuse. It's like, yeah, you still have to you know, do things to make amends and make sure that that relationship is good and build on it as an adult. But as a child, you said those things because, number one, you're dumb. I'm sorry, <laughs> before the age of 25, you're pretty dumb. Uh, and you couldn't control yourself, and, 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 and you couldn't see the consequences of your actions, etc. So all that being said, uh, let me know what are the, uh, the ghosts that haunt you, and let me know what, uh, what ghosts you have prevented from coming to being. And uh, yes, this has been Justin and Thought Architecture, and it's all about thinking in systems. I hope you have a wonderful day. Ciao, ciao.